Thankfully, the roads allowed us to be here. We thought about canceling for the wind this morning, but decided not to do that. The flowers, by the way, this morning are here from the memorial service we had for Danny Easley on uh, Friday night. When you see the Easleys, please uh, extend your sympathies and your love and compassion to them. Uh, I do want to mention, thank you, Marguerite, for a great... uh, intro into what is going to be a very special night on Good Friday in late March. I do want to say that it is imperative if you want to come to that to sign up 130. Uh, We should be full. So get ahead of the selfish people. As is always the rule, if you want to get anywhere in life, get ahead of the selfish people. So sign up before the spaces are all gone. Well, uh, because of the potential for weather, shifted gears this morning, just pushing Genesis, we've got a few weeks in March where we're going to be talking, leading up to the the resurrection, and we're just pushing one week. Uh, So we're going to look at Psalm 119 this morning, uh, in the the middle of Psalm 119. So let's talk a little bit. God is good. All the time. Do you believe that? I mean, I know that you profess to believe it. And it's easier to say sometimes than it is other times. My problems are not his fault, though. We always recognize God's goodness, or so we say. I mean, it's really tough sometimes to say it and mean it. It's, it's not that we're, we're lying. But the more you know about God, the more you recognize that anything that happens to you in life goes through and comes from his hand. And so, ultimately, if we're not careful, we will come to the place, for all practical purposes, and say with our bitter spirits that God is not good. After all, I mean, how could this possibly be happening to me? But he is, and we know it. We know that God is good all the time. We just need to be reminded sometimes, and that's exactly what our text is going to do this morning. Psalm 119, verses 65 to 72. Uh, We're going to read the text first, and then we're going to consider the structure of this magnificent psalm and consider even a, a little more of a literal translation than, than this ESV that we use, which is a very good, good translation, but we'll uh, get to an even more literal one in just a few moments. But let's read our text together, Psalm 119, beginning in verse 65. If you would, please stand for the reading of the word. And by the way, um, because of the, the nature of our service being just a little bit more laid back this morning. And because the folks in the back just get really upset if we go too short in here, uh, we may just take time for some testimonies. Actually, the, the Sunday school classes almost always need every minute that we give them and say, wow, it was, you guys were back there. We weren't even through with our lesson. Nursery, toddler workers, that's a different story. But, you know, Sunday school teachers... Uh, Need a little more time. So um, we'll read this 
together and then pray. And and we may, oh, I was where I was going was, at the end of the service, if we have time, we, we may just take some time to share. Just to share how God's word has seen you through a difficult place or just something good that God is doing in your life to which you want to give praise these days. Verse 65, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolence smear me with lies. But with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Would, would, you, would you take that this morning? Would you take Scripture over thousands of pieces of gold and silver? These words were meant with every fiber of the psalmist being. I don't think we treasure it like that. Father, we ask that you would help us to recognize the treasure that we hold in our hands the Word of God. We, we recognize Jesus as the living Word. We recognize the Holy Spirit as the author of this written Word. And we know that this is all according to your plan, Father. And so, we ask that our hearts be drawn to you and encouraged and that we might be exceedingly aware of your presence in our body and our hearts and Lord even in the midst of our trials we pray in Jesus name Amen Thank you, be seated Well what's the theme of Psalm 119? What's the theme of it? It's the word, right? God's word there are 176 verses in this chapter. How many verses do not contain something that refers to the word? Do you know? Anybody know that? There are three. Three verses that don't say commandment, statue, instruction, word, something of that <clears throat> nature. So the theme is all about God's word. There are 22 sections in this psalm. That's one, for every, one section for every Hebrew letter or every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are eight verses in each section. So you can see there's a, a great deal of very intentional structure to this psalm. It, it's like the psalmist is extolling the, 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 the beauty of God's word, the virtues of the word. And we would say in English from A to Z. Every section begins, every sentence, every verse begins with the letter that is highlighted in that section. For instance, our section today contains verses beginning with the Hebrew letter Tate. It's Teth, it's spelled Teth, but it's pronounced Tate. Uh, five of the verses begin with the Hebrew word Tav. Now, you've heard that before, you're just not aware of it. Think about it. 
Matzol Tav means good. Matzol Tav means good fortune. And so five verses in our eight verse section begin with the Hebrew word Tav, good. And he's referring to God and his word. Now, I'm going to be talking about the Lord today and God. But as I mentioned in my prayer, uh, the Holy Spirit is the author of the word. Jesus is the living word to whom all scripture points, as Marguerite pointed out earlier. So the Trinity is very much in play. God's plan is being laid out for us in his word. We, we see so much of God's plan and we understand about him and his word. So the Trinity, when I say God, think of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> to help us get a little better sense of all that's going on here, we're going to have a look at a more literal translation of this psalm. It's a bit awkward, but it'll help you see the emphasis God places <coughs> uh, on his word in this section of Psalm 119. Good you did, O Yahweh, to your servant according to your word. Good discernment and knowledge teach me because I believe in your commandments. Sort of sounds like the Yoda translation, uh, doesn't it? Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Good you are, and you do only good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I will, I with all my heart, watch your precepts. Callous and unfeeling are their hearts. I delight in your instruction. Good for me it was that I was afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Good for me the instruction of your mouth. More than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. The psalmist is convinced that God is good. Not only that God is good, but that he communicates his good through his word. That's the primary way that we know God is through his word. These are not random thoughts about God's goodness. There's a flow, a purpose to what's being said. The psalmist is going somewhere for a very, from the very beginning. Do you see a theme in this section, a a theme other than the goodness of God's word? Here's a hint. It has to do with the purpose of trials in our lives. Now, we'll use this literal translation as we look at this psalm. Let's take it step by step, just as it's written, beginning with verse 65. Good you did, Yahweh, oh Yahweh, to your servant according to... To your word. Now, if that's all that we knew about this section, we would say, well, that's, that's correct. God has done good to me, and, and he used his word to do good to me. But the psalmist knew where he was going from the very beginning. God's word is designed for our benefit, even in the midst of trials. And if you agree with that, I wonder if your life reflects what you say that you believe, with the amount of time that you spend in the Word. How much time do you spend seeking God in His Word? And, and, and even though we recognize that, that, that Scripture is the place we must go when we find ourselves in great pain, 
Satan is quite effective in pushing us the other way. I would imagine if we just ask, it would probably be right down the middle if I were to say, when trials come upon you, do you go to the Word? Yes, or do you almost go away from the Word? No. I would imagine we'd be somewhere close to split. I know a lot of you that go to the Word, and I know others of you, and I'm in this category, that when life really gets gets hard because I think that I know so much about the Word already, I'm looking to other resources, tempted to look to other resources to get through this issue that's troubling me so badly right now. But the instant I get in the Word, it comes alive because God, God's Word is living and it points me to Jesus and I find comfort there. Unfortunately, the tendency is to move away. So... I hope that you're one of those that difficulty drives you to the word. And certainly that's what the writer is communicating in verse 65. Now, verse 66. And by the way, anything that causes us to go deeper in the word is a good thing. Whether it feels like a good thing or not, it's a good thing. Verse 66. Good discernment and knowledge teach me. Because I believe in your commands. Now, this is interesting. I mean, we can expect a sermon and knowledge when we come to the Word as long as we come with a believing heart. If you have a poor view of Scripture, then it's when you come to the Word, you're going to see what you want to see. You're going to make Scripture work for you. But you're not necessarily going to see what you need to see. When you go to the doctor with a problem, if you've got a serious issue, suppose you've got cancer, do you want the doctor to tell you the truth or what you want to hear? Well, you want to hear him say, everything's good. No scare, no worry, no problem. But you better find a doctor that's going to tell you the truth and to say, this is your problem and it's serious. We need to deal with it. And here's how we're going to go about it. If you have a poor view of Scripture, you're going to go to the Word and you're going to find what you want, but it's not necessarily what you need. It may be comforted in the short term, but when you're facing trials, we need to hear from God. Do you believe that God will meet you in your trial in the Word? If so, He's going to teach you what you need to know in a time of pain. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your Word. Would you say this is true in your life? You ever ever found this to be true? Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You'd lost your focus, and affliction brought you back to God's word. Sometimes we just get so busy, so distracted, that that we move away from God, and, 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 and then the trials come, and we say, oh boy, time for me to get back in the word, back to obedience to God's word, in fact. Now, it's important to know what the psalmist was not saying here, and then we'll start 
thinking about what he was saying. He, he wasn't saying, you know, before God punished me, I was just living like a pagan. I had really fallen off the wagon. I was just living any way that I wanted to. And then the Lord jerked a knot in me, as they say in the South. And, you know, put me back in the word. And now I'm back where I'm supposed to do. Maybe a fuller explanation of this literal translation would be something like this. Before this great trial came in my life, I had a tendency to rely on myself, on my own judgment, and to look to resources other than God to, to meet my needs. I mean, I, I call the shots, I exercise discernment as far as it goes in this life. And then something that was beyond my ability to manage came into my life. And I was taken to the word by the Holy Spirit. And I turned to God in repentance, confessing my sin of relying on human wisdom and failing to trust him. And now I obey God's word as far as I am able according to the Holy Spirit. Because I recognize that his wisdom far exceeds mine. In fact, you could go so far as to say as the word does. That his ways are higher than my ways as the heavens are above the earth. And his wisdom and his understanding. And so when I'm operating in my own strength, I am doing so with very limited understanding and perspective. But God's word leads me, if nothing else, to trust him. The author was saying something like that. It's, that's kind of a New Testament translation with the Holy Spirit. Our understanding of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. For the psalmist's close contact with and observance of Scripture led him to a conclusion about God. Look at verse 68. Good you are, and you do only good. Teach me your decrees. You don't get to this place by accident that you can say this. Good you are and you do only good. Think about some of the pain that you've endured the last couple of years. Or maybe the worst moment of your life was a long time ago. And if you're in your 20s, I'm going to guess that the worst moment of your life is ahead of you. I hate to tell you that. I mean, it may not be. It, It could be that you've already experienced it. But in that moment... Was this your cry? Some of you, the answer is yes. But then something else comes along that we just absolutely don't anticipate. And we're, we're, our, our hypocrisy is challenged. When we want to say the Lord is good, but in our hearts we're saying How could you let this happen to me? How could you do this to me? You don't get to this place by accident. And you don't just wake up one morning after your heart has been broken in two and say, God is good from the depths of your soul. You get here because God draws you to this place. And you respond to the the Spirit's gentle call to trust Him no matter what. 
You ever just, you're in the middle of a, 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 of, of a trial and, and you're trying to manage it and you're, and you're doing it as, as everything that you can to manage this. And then finally one day it gets beyond your control to manage. I mean, you just absolutely can't do anymore. And you just say, okay, God, I give up. And there's this instant peace. I mean, it's worse than it's been all along. And it's out of your control entirely. But when you trust God, there is this instant peace. And you think, what, why, did I, why did I not do that sooner? We were talking, Debbie and Andrew and, and Becky and Josh and I were talking the other night after we had had Danny's service. And, you know, uh, Danny, Danny fought to live as most of us are going to do. I don't care how spiritual we are. We weren't created to die. And he spent the last several days of his life sitting up because when he would lie down, it would be too hard to breathe. It was just difficult to watch him waiting to be with the Lord. Can you imagine what it's like when the moment that we are in Jesus' presence? I mean, if, if we think these kinds of thoughts, don't you imagine we're going to say, why did I fight that? You know, I mean, what, what was that about? I could have been here earlier. I could have already been basking in this incredible life that is mine because of Jesus. And when we give up our control over the things that are hurting us so badly, God draws us to the place to say, God, you're good. Your plan is good. You do only good Time in God's word expedites this process. We get there a lot quicker if we'll go to the word when we're in pain. The longer we stay away from God's word, the longer it takes us to see his goodness and his plan for us in his pain. But look at the last part of verse 68. Teach me your decrees. This is not a day when we're inclined to look far from ourselves when we suffer. We want to get the self-help. We want to get the, the, the soothing words and music and friends and everything. But God is drawing us to him. What better spirit than to look to God and to praise him for his goodness. That's what verse 68 is, isn't it? It's an expression of praise. Good you are. And you only do good. Let's look at verses 69 and 70 together. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I with all my heart watch your precepts. Callous and unfeeling are their hearts. I delight in your instruction. Now we see what this man's affliction was. It it was the slander of people who despised him and spoke out against him. We're not exactly sure who wrote Psalm 119. It could have been David, could have been Ezra, either one. I mean, Ezra 
taken a stand on the word. This fits his personality. This psalm seems to me to fit his personality very well. And taking a stand and reestablishing the law of God and the new temple that was rebuilt would have found a lot of opposition by those who despise the nation of Israel. Or David, my goodness, even from within his own family, he found opposition. And sometimes it's far more difficult when the, the arrogant who are speaking lies are those within the covenant family of God than those from without. We expect it from those from without, but when they come from within, it's so painful. And this man's heart was hurting. You would expect that to discourage him. And I'm sure it did for a time. But once he turned to God's word, he did so with all of his heart. And he found joy of all things. God's word is not a straitjacket designed to break our spirits and dampen our enthusiasm for life. That's the way people look at the word. Like a hammer, almost. It's designed, rather... To be a delight to those whose trust is in the Lord. It's a source of light and life and joy. Now in verse 71, the writer states with a grateful heart what he has learned. Good for me it was that I was afflicted. So that I might learn your decrees. If we really believe that God knows better than we do. If we really believe that. Sometimes the only way to internalize it. To make it belief and trust that comes forward and comes through in our actions. Is to walk through deep trials. And it's often the case that we have to get on the backside of those trials. Before we can acknowledge God's role and God's beauty and peace. And, and, and the beauty of his plan. In those circumstances. When we put our trust in God's word. And ultimately in God. When the the written word is pointing us to the living word Jesus. We begin to adopt a different value system. Than the one that the world holds. Our perspective changes. Verse 72. Good for me. The instruction of your mouth. More than the thousands of pieces of silver. And gold. Affliction is a profound teacher. And even if you don't see it now, there's great value in thanking God while you suffer. Even if you have to force yourself to do it initially, ask God for the for a genuine heart that expresses gratitude to Him. As you suffer. In a few moments we're going to share. Maybe some ways that God has. Ministered to you through his word. In a time of. Loss or suffering or pain. Or ways that God has used trials to mold and to shape you into the person that you are. Today. You may want to. We're going to have some silence in a moment. And I'll have to say this has got to be just about the quietest crowd I have ever heard. I don't I don't know what you did last night, but it's very quiet in here. But we're going to take just a few moments of quiet. And you may want to confess 
your disappointment, your frustration, your unbelief, or even your anger toward God. I, I, I told you this past fall, I, I had a day where I've never in my life Accuse God before that day. I know I have in my heart, but I never said it with my words. I, it wasn't really an accusation. It sort of was, but it's like, why? Why, God? Why? I'm so weird. And what a turning point that was in my life. I'm telling you, my, from that day, the things that had weighed me down, and I confessed it to the Lord. If that's what you need to do this, this day, then confess your anger even. Toward God that has come because of the things upon you. You may want to read through this psalm. Just read through it in a spirit of prayer. And then in a moment we'll take some time to share. It is a component of of first century services that we don't engage too often here at Grace, but as God's people share how he has ministered to them through his word or share a a challenge from his word. So if you would like to share today, it would be, we would be grateful for your willingness to do that. So we got to couple of microphones here and I'm sorry to do that to you but and it, and look if you don't want to be on line then you need to tell us that good morning my name is Amy uh, my son and I have been going here for a couple years and I actually met Jesus in the sanctuary um, <laughs> And I don't know if maybe because I'm still very green in my religion. Uh, as many of you know, my father has been uh, diagnosed with gallbladder cancer. Um, but I'm not angry at God. Uh, I actually am so blessed and thankful that um, we're part of this community, that um We have a room full of people praying for us here and friends and their churches that are praying for us that um, that hopefully my parents uh, will come around and come back to Jesus. um, And that we've had so many kind words and hugs and people uh, willing to come beside us when. a lot of times when people are sick, you know, you want to step back. And um, we are truly blessed and thankful uh, for everyone here. And uh, we love being a part of this congregation. And we're so glad that, uh, you know, we would come in and sit down and uh, you guys would preach. And it would be like there was a light shining on the two of us. And we would get in, <laughs> we would get in the car at the end of service and be like, wow. How did they? How did they know that's what was going on in our house that morning? Or uh, so this is where we're supposed to be, and um, we are very thankful uh, for everyone here. I love y'all. Thanks. 
actually, Amy, the first time you come here, we have somebody go to your house and we put hidden cameras in. That's what happens. And, and, and yes, and Lisa, before Lisa says something, I, I have to mention a couple of things. Look, we really need to do a better job of celebrating what you just heard from Amy. That happens a lot more than you think. People come into our, into, our congr- into our sanctuary and they hear the word and they trust Christ. That's happened a lot, a lot this past year and a half or so. Um, and we need to celebrate that. But I, I have to say this. As I was preparing in Genesis this week, Abraham is interceding for his nephew Lot. He talks about if you find righteous, will you not destroy Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah? He's obviously thinking about his his nephew Lot. He doesn't want it. And I just thought about the importance of intercessory prayer in, in a sovereign God's plan. We'll talk about that next week. But as I did, I was driven to pray passionately for Amy's folks. Pray they will come to Jesus. We don't know how long her father has. So in, in Khalil's grandfathering means a whole lot to Khalil. I remembered that name right off the bat because of Ryan Khalil, the all-pro center for the Carolina Panthers. Didn't have any problem remembering that one. But we're delighted to have you a part of this community. Also, some other new folks in our community, Lisa and Gary. Hi. Oh, wow. I'm Lisa, and that's my husband, Gary. And I've known Allison for probably about 14 years. This story actually has to do with some of Allison. So, Brad, I don't know if you've heard all this, too. It'll be new to you. I better have. (laughs) (laughs) You may have. And how awesome she is. Um, Allison and I met when we were both going through some very, very, very dark times. And um, one of the things that she and I have always said, that there's always a jewel in the darkness. And we have... um, have been working on for many years, and we're going to get back together a book about the very thing, about how God is so good in darkness. But this one story I'm going to give you is truly reflects this. She and I were actually in the midst of writing um, some of our stories, and we were supposed to go to a conference together out in Charlotte. And we were supposed to meet some publishers um, for this book. And um, Allison couldn't go with me. And I really didn't want to go without her because I was like, I'm not doing this by myself. This is too big. And at the same time, I was pregnant, and it was uh, about 12 weeks along. I had had some great news. We saw a couple weeks before the baby was very healthy, and I was very, at that time, pretty healthy, even though I was just getting over a huge Ill- illness. So she was not able to go, and I was actually mad at God that I was, I was going because I didn't want to, and I didn't even know why I was mad. So I dragged my husband along, and this is an all-female conference, mind you. (laughs) But it was also, we decided, that was our um, anniversary for our our fifth wedding anniversary. Well, the night before I was supposed to leave, I wasn't feeling well, and I thought something was wrong. And um, we called the doctor, asked him some questions. He said, I think you're going to be okay. Go ahead and go. So then I was really mad I was going, but he said, you're supposed to go. And so we went, and as I was passing by a table, because it was a a conference where writers go, I saw a book on the table, and it said, I'll hold you in heaven. And the author's name was uh, Debbie Hadrick. I went to the bathroom and discovered that something was seriously wrong. I went upstairs, and I said, Gary, we have to go to the hospital. 
And so we went to the hospital, and on my way, I called Allison. And I said, Allison, I think I'm having a miscarriage. And she said, I need to be there with you. Why am I not with you? And we were struggling because we both knew we didn't want to go to Charlotte. I didn't want to be with She goes, why am I separated from you during this hard, hard time? And I said, I don't know. We'll just, we'll just trust. Well, we found out in the hospital on our fifth anniversary that, indeed, I had lost the baby. And on the table, I had said to the Lord, Lord, you, you alone are God. And you have told us to write a book about finding a jewel in the darkness. And I cried out to him and I said, Lord, then you better show me. Show me right now in this grief, this jewel in the darkness. And I begged him for that. Well, he did an amazing thing because we went back home in the hotel room, or back home, didn't go home, we went to the hotel room. And the doctor said, don't travel now, travel in the morning. So I anguished and cried and prayed with my husband just about all night. And I told Gary, I said, Gary, we were supposed to meet with, I was supposed to meet with publishers. Can you please go down and tell them that I'm just not a flake? And, and that there was something, you know, there was an emergency. Well, as he was going through the conference halls and being a man at a women's conference, he stood out. And a lady came up to him and said, is something going on? Can I help you? And he, we have learned through our suffering and circumstances to be honest. And he said, actually, my wife is upstairs having a miscarriage. And this woman said, I'm going to grab five other ladies or some other ladies and come upstairs and pray with you. So they came upstairs and prayed and asked if they could come in. And all we did was pray and praise the Lord. That's what we wanted. We said we were going to thank him for the baby that we had, but we were going to grieve the loss. And so we celebrated with strangers in a room far away. Then some of them left, except one stayed behind. And she said, I was sent here from Texas for you. My name is Debbie Hedrick, and I wrote the book, I'll Leave You in Heaven, and I'm supposed to deliver this to you. Remember at the beginning of this story, I had passed by the table. I picked up the book, I'll Leave You in Heaven. God is so in the details. He cares so much. He sent me Debbie Hadrick to minister to me because the miscarriage ended up being six weeks long with two surgeries. He knew I needed to meet Debbie to get me through the darkest of hours, even separated from my very good friend at that time. For goodness, because he knew I would need extra help and extra support. God is so good. And I cried out so much for that testimony to be used. And here I stand, and I can say, I wept, but I'm still celebrating. And I know I'll see that baby in heaven. Thank you, Lisa. It's just what you're looking for, isn't it? You're looking for God, or you're looking for justification to be upset and angry and Lisa's written a couple of uh, children's books, by the way, about a dog named Logos. So, 
Hi. Uh, my name is David Wetherington. I've uh, been coming here for about a year now. And most of you know uh, one thing in the past year, I've been going through a long period of unemployment and with a lot of issues going along with that. And honestly, I don't like talking about a struggle that's not complete. But I feel like I'm being called to to tell at least part of it. And I'm praying that I tell I tell the right part and hold back the parts that I don't quite understand and uh, don't need to share at this point. But... Um, you know, God's been used first, the opening, opening title of the message, God is good all the time, I've got, to, I've got to say it, yes. And I've been going through some really dark times. In fact, this week was probably the darkest, darkest time of my life. Mm. Um, on top of the unemployment situation, and uh, which, as a side note, I'd like to say, God has really used that time that I don't have a job to draw me closer to him. So he's already working uh, through this situation. But somebody very close to me came, with, came to me last, this past week and confessed to me a very major betrayal. And, you know, my, my first thought is to strike back and punish and hold it against the person and I just I just had to pray and cry out to God I didn't know what to do and what really finally came is you've got a choice you can hold on to that sin that was that happened against you and you can punish this person but that that sin is tied to all the rest that that you've committed that are up on the cross. It's a package deal. You take this one, and you've got to take the rest. And through the mouth of two or three witnesses, anything is established. To one that the Lord brought me to is the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the second is the parable of the unforgiving servant. And so he's been really working hard with, on me about forgiveness. And that is a very hard thing to do. And to realize that the betrayal that happened to me is minuscule compared to the betrayal that I've done to Jesus. And hopefully I'll have more more of a testimony of things going on, but that's about as much as I really feel like I can share at this point. Thank you. Thank you, David. Uh, betrayal may be the worst pain of all. Um, and it it seems to be is a decent possibility that's what the writer is talking about in this section of psalms is betrayal we have time for one more and then i'm going to ask well let's see we've got a couple here josh well 
Um, sorry, that was loud. <clears throat> um, my name is Josh Peterson. Sorry, I'm a little bit jittery right now. Um, it's a rough-looking crowd, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> well, this happened a while back last year. Um, I was going through a time where, and I'm still having a little bit of aftershocks about that, where I didn't feel like I had any friends that had any time for me. Like, I felt like my life was very boring. Um, so one of these days, I was feeling sad about it, and that night I was crying, asking God for to give me someone that would have time to see me on a regular basis, that I could, sorry, <clears throat> that I could talk to, but then as I was asking God for that, he gave me a, I'm trying to think of a way to put it, a enlightenment. He made me remember that I already had someone who always had time for me. It was him. He was there for me the whole time, and I didn't even think about him. You could just say that I was so happy at that moment, and I just thanked him so much for being there for me all the time. And I'd like to thank him for that again today. That's it, really. That's a, that's <laughs> quite a testimony, Josh. I, I don't know that any of us ever really understand how there God is for us until we experience that loneliness. And the word, it's a perfect application of the message about how God reminded you that Jesus is there for you. Carla, we'll... All these beautiful testimonies get me all choked up before I even start mine. Um, as I mentioned a couple months ago, God has brought me through a lot, um, in particular um, an abusive relationship, an abusive marriage, where I'm now raising three little girls on my own. Um, fortunately, with the help of my parents right now, which is a godsend too. Um, but right when things first started going downhill, noticeably with my husband um i started getting frustrated with god i kept turning to him and and calling out and going god you know i need your help in this i can't do this on my own i need strength um i would pray lord bring my husband home tonight um where is he why is he neglecting me all these different things and i started getting really upset because the more i prayed the less things went well the nights that i did not pray my husband was there, and things were fine. And then when I did pray, he was gone, and it was a nightmare. It was it was just a mess. Um, and after several months of this, I started saying, God, you're supposed to be there for me. Why have you abandoned me? I started feeling like when Jesus was crying out on the co- on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and so I said, well, if you're not going to help me, if you're turning your back on me, I'm going to turn my back on you. And... That, of course, that didn't make me feel any better, but <laughs> at least it has someone to vent my anger to. Um, and maybe in a way that's why I turned my back on God a little bit because I knew that even if I was acting like a stubborn three-year-old, 
God's, God was still going to be there to see me through it. Um, and after a few months of that where I was feeling like a hypocrite because I was teaching at a Christian school in, in another country, um, I went to church a couple times, and I couldn't even sing the songs, so I didn't dare profess, God, I love you, you are great, you know, all these different songs, and I'm going, I don't believe any of it right now, you know, I'm just mad at God. And one day as I was riding the bus up the mountain to go to the school that I taught at, I remember the corner that we were going around. I was praying, and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I said, the only thing worse than what I'm going through right now is having to go through this without you. I need you back in my life. I'm sorry. And that was a turning point. Um, Things did not get better. Things got worse. But I was able to handle it so much better than I had been up to that point. Um, And I realized I'd rather go through the worst circumstances imaginable and have God at my side than to go through a wonderful day and have my back turned against God. Um, There really is nothing worse than going through something without God. And that's the lesson I've learned from it. I've grown so much. I'm still growing. Um, Before I went through all this, I'm like, yeah, I'm a good Christian. I'm doing great. And now I'm just completely humbled. Um, But it's allowed me to love God and know God in a way I never even imagined before. So God is faithful. God is good all the time. He is. That's those are awesome. Every one of those testimonies are awesome. And sometimes God comes to, to you and meets your exact need at the exact time like he did for Lisa. And sometimes it's just like the other night. I should have not started watching the Carolina Duke game and given Carolina a chance. I mean, when I turned it on, they started losing. It really seems that way sometimes, doesn't it? When, I'm, when I ignore God, things are good. When I cry out to him, it goes wrongly. That, though, is the place where we all come to sooner or later and we have to trust in the in the darkest hour when it makes no sense. And that's when, in a beautiful prayer, I'd rather do this with you than without. The two guys that have the microphones, would you close this in prayer, Stephen and Scott, and remember these folks. Just... Benediction. There's a thread in every testimony. It's God's grace. And as you hear these testimonies, you should just see how God, in his grace, always comes to the rescue and is always there. Now, I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, as we listen to these testimonies. He said, now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all we ask or even think, according to the power at work within us, to him. Be glory in the church, in this church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And all of God's people said,